You're listening to Dismantled. I'm your host, Anthony Lemos, and on this episode, I dismantled Justin Robert Young, podcaster, comedian, game designer, and political pundit, and I ask him, what do you think about Diamond Club? Well, I mean, that's a complicated question because it means a lot of different things, right? Like, uh, there's diamondclub.tv, you know, the place where we stream everything. There's, uh, you know, Diamond Club, the old strip club in Atlanta. Like, but, but I think what you mean is Diamond Club, the group of the community that surrounds all of our shows. And, you know, I, I don't know if I can really discuss diamond club without saying initially that it's kind of a dream come true. The idea that there is, I hate saying the word fans because like fans, you know, makes it seem like there's uh there's, you're some sort of like level, right. That, right. you know, one person is on another person is on. And, and I, I kind of bristle at that because number one, I, I never, I mean, like, I am a fan of people. I like saying that I am a fan of people. I don't know if I would like somebody else saying, oh, they're a fan of me, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, and and beyond that, I think what's rad about Diamond Club is that so many people have kind of come up and done their own thing and, 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 and really made something, uh, benefited from the idea that there's already a group of like-minded people that want to see it. You know, and there's always a journey when you create something, especially on the Internet, where you have to kind of be used to being lonely and being and be used to being to making things for nobody. But when you're doing it for a community, that next step, you everyone's got to learn that first step. Right. But that step two to three, which is finding an audience, can go a lot faster when you are already talking to a community or you're already plugged into a community, you can get to that 10 reviews on your new podcast feed threshold a lot quicker when you're talking to a community. Now, the secret is always that like you, your community will always wind up growing outside of it. Right. Right. But that initial idea, that diamond club idea, that like Petri dish where everybody can be creators and enjoy other people's creativity. That's what I think about when I think about Diamond Club. One thing about Diamond Club is that Diamond Club in general expresses an extreme dedication to the concept of Diamond Club. Yeah. It's really a perpetual motion machine. Like, it just keeps going. People keep contributing things. Yeah. Uh, What part of that really excites you the most? I feel like this is just going to turn into that one Tom Cruise video where he's like talking about Scientology and he's just like, <laughs> like, you ever see anybody on a street and they're dying? Like, we know we can fix them. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about my Tom Cruise joke and I forgot what you were saying. What were you saying? <laughs> oh, 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 to the dedication, dedication to Diamond Club, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's earned, you know, like it, it doesn't just come from nothing, it's not like people are dedicated for no reason. They're dedicated because they've seen what it's done for others and, and, and what it could do for them. And, and like, there's, there's just this, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of perpetual motion. There's a lot of people getting worth out of it. I think that's the thing is I never really want, like, even for something conceptual for something, that's an idea. I would want everybody to be able to say, Hey, this is, uh, I've seen other people 
get something out of this. I mean, I want to try and get something out of it too. Now within Diamond Club, of course, you have a kind of a core group. There's, there are certain, I don't, I, I, I shy to say, call them super fans, but there are certain people that have really <laughs> contributed above and beyond just what I think anybody re- could reasonably expect. And, uh, you know, they've really shown a lot. And, and in particular, I'm speaking of um, people like T2T2 T2 and yeah. uh, Sergeant Muffin. Um, got a tint, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, what of those core people, I mean, how much have they left an impression on you just in their ability to provide on a continuous basis for years now? I mean, is it too much to say that they're like, they're my heroes. Like I love them. You know, if, if, if anything, uh, I've, I've always been in awe of them. They're, they're just, they're just the best, you know, uh, uh, I'm I'm honored and humbled whenever they spend any time, you know, on any of the projects that I do. And I hope that they uh, I, I certainly hope that their continued uh, surrounding of of that of, of the projects are are proof that they're getting something out of it because because I hope that they're getting something out of it as much as I'm getting out of them being a part of it, because I think that that's super rad. <laughs> this this interview this series this whatever this becomes yeah this is really a the product of fandom of Mm -hmm. people i mean that's the whole reason i asked you to do this was because i know there are people that want to know more about you and experience more of your opinions and and sometimes you know (laughs) because i don't make them available (laughs) widely or consistently (laughs) enough i'm glad finally we can crack this nut of what i think about things well, there are certain certain topics and certain uh, stories, I think, that don't necessarily fit within your normal podcasts. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to have a, uh, an open forum for those things. And, of course, I wanted to start with Diamond Club because that is a lot of who you are as a personality. Yeah. And But Diamond Club isn't isn't it. I mean, there, you have other stuff outside of that. And one of the things that, that really impresses me is how you've taken something like Politics, politics, politics. Yeah. And what kind of Venn diagram is there between the the P3 fans uh-huh. and Diamond Club itself? How did that go? When well, did, when did you, I mean... When did you really first start seeing that the P3 fans had really kind of bubbled outside just the the Diamond Club family? You know, I don't know because I, I want to bring everybody inside the Diamond Club <laughs> fandom, right? Like, and and from my perspective, having been around stuff, it's like, you know, the, the the chat room to BB Live show was different than the chat room to NSFW. That's different from the chat room to Night Attack. That's different from the chat room to Jury. That's different from the chat room to Politics, Politics, Politics. You know, uh, there's there, the names will always change because that's the best thing about the Internet is that you get to be involved in exactly what you want to be involved in at the exact moment that you want to do it. And sometimes that means appointment viewing. Sometimes it means downloading it afterward, but it always means that the subject matter is what you want of it. So, you know, this kind of comes back back to this one weird social tick where I'll go out and I'll talk to people, especially since I started making my living doing podcasting and I can't just hide behind another job. Uh, People will ask me about podcasting and and they'll ask me like, Oh, they'll be like, Oh, I got to listen to your podcast. And I'm like, 
I mean, you really don't and you shouldn't like, you know, if, if you're not listening to it now, you probably shouldn't. And not because you wouldn't think it was great. Maybe you listen to it and you think it's the best thing ever. But like you should probably listen to podcasts that you like. You know, if you're really into ballet, listen to ballet. You're really into into, you know, Cincinnati Bengals football. Then listen to a podcast about that. It's the Internet, baby. Like we got a uh, we got anything you want here. So it's like if you like an irreverent take on politics, then I'm. I'm I'm someone that you should listen to. Uh, I, I think I'm a good voice there. But other than that, you know, uh, I, I think it it hasn't. It, it is certainly delighted me that people enjoy politics, politics, politics. But I haven't really thought of any kind of designation between Diamond Club fans and politics fans. You know, now that's probably just something that, that I can't see because I'm in the inside of it, right? Um. But I'm sure other people would be able to tell, oh, these people are just fans of this part and they're not a fan of this other larger thing. In the way that I can see that with communities like OMG Chad or or Curly. And those were guys that kind of bubbled up from within and then kind of became things that were the outside. And yet they're still connective tissue. So as far as the different fan bases, do you get a different reaction from different groups of fans? Is there, you know... I, I know you said it's kind of just all this one big, one big bubble to you, but is there like, can you tell when someone comes up to you and, and talks to you? Cause you make yourself readily available. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I, I don't know if I can tell the difference between fan interactions, but I've also had a very, a very kind of specific interaction, preferred interaction with people that listen to the stuff. Like I remember talking to Ryan Connolly once and he was like, like you are so lucky that early into you getting a community, you yelled at fans <laughs> like, and you, and you, and you were somewhat jokingly like big brother, you know, joking, like caustic uh, to fans in your shows because now I have that pitch, you know, mm. like I can be kind of, uh, like, oh, stop it. That's a dumb opinion, right? <laughs> Whereas if you are just the nicest guy and, like, the best human on the planet, like Ryan is, if he does it, it's traumatic. It's like Mr. Rogers took his nuts out or something, <laughs> right? Like, and, and it's not to say that he's not amazingly funny and quick, because he is. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's something about that connection. Because on the internet, you... It's so personal, right? And in general, with, with understanding who people are by way of newspapers, radio, and television, there is a lot more of, like, you get this one-dimensional view and then you color in the rest with your imagination. Right. But with the internet, it's almost like you get more of a picture, but then that makes the things that you do color in almost more intense, <laughs> Because, like, now it's like, oh, well, I know he thinks about this politically. I know he likes this. I know what his favorite television shows are. Those are my favorite television shows. So now let me fill in all the rest with, like, what I think about myself or what I think somebody else that I'm comparing him to. And and that, on one hand, breeds such stronger bonds. But on the other hand, you know, if if you are putting forth, everybody puts forth some level of a caricature, but if that is an outsized caricature of your personality to a certain extent, I think sometimes it can be 
a problem when you want to reveal this other element of your personality. And they're like, whoa, that was not <laughs> what I colored in. Oh, man. Um, so you've talked about uh, coming up with Diamond Club and having and watching it grow. I mean, I did not. To be fair, here's how Diamond Club started out. Number one, it was an inside joke, like like all the greatest ideas on right. the planet. Started out as an inside joke because, ah, shoot, who was on? Brian, me, I want to say Andrew, and somebody else, and the somebody in chat. This is all documented, I think, on one of the I, on one of the wikis. I believe but it was Cowgirl Curtis, but I'm not. I think Cowgirl Curtis started joking that she was also on this private Skype call and she was on it because she was a member of the Diamond Club. <laughs> and 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 it became this chat meme of like, oh my God, is she really there or is she not? And then she would just write like ha 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 like as if like she was watching a show that that was not being broadcast to everybody and so it became this sticky thing this diamond club thing uh and then that that meme that idea kind of just became sort of where the chat name came from right and then it really became a bigger idea once we left twit like mm -hmm. once we were on our own it was like, well, what do we put on our own flag? And it's like, well, that's easy. The Diamond Club, right? And also, like, that logo is just the tits. It's just so cool. Like, it's like you can write it on a standard keyboard. Like, yep. man, compare that and, like, the Nike swoosh. I'll take our logo anyway. <laughs> I love it. As uh, as you're famous for it, at, at, to some point, uh, it's really easy to write on cards and send them out. Love it, yeah. <laughs> easy for that. Easy to, uh, I mean, the gang sign was another huge part of it. Like, it just kind of became its own thing. And so the community was there. And then at that point, from my, my point of view as a creator in the community, is how do we serve it, you know? And obviously, since we did a larger show within it, it the responsibility on us was higher to do more for it and, and and to continue to make it exciting. When did you realize that the Diamond Club community had grown to a to a point where it could genuinely be called a community and it wasn't just some random people? You know, when, when did you realize it had actually started? I don't see. I don't. I don't really put that kind of that kind of thought on numbers. Like, because I, I don't know what the difference would. I mean, be. like, like time frame wise, you know, how how, well, how far? I mean, to me, like it was there before we called it the diamond club. Like, you know, night attack fans or BB live show fans were there. You know, we had a group mm -hmm. that kept showing up, which was rad. <laughs> um, so before it had a name, it was there, but in terms of it being this other bigger thing, I think that really hit once we, once we left Twitch. And, and we didn't have anything else to lean back on. Awesome. Have you noticed that there's any differentiation between people who interact with you and people who interact with the shows? Like, have you noticed anything where somebody can be a fan of the show, but not necessarily care too much for, for you as a, as a, as a host? For me personally? Yeah. I mean, you get that every once in a while. Right. And, and I'm sure that, you know, for night attack, Brian probably gets it more, 
about me, like, oh, I love the show, but I'm not really a big fan of Justin. And I'm I'm sure that, you know, if I thought about I can't remember anything offhand, but I'm sure that I've, I've at some point someone said, oh, I like the show, but I like you more than Brian. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, if you like any show I do, I don't give a rat's ass why you like it. Because, again, <laughs> it goes back to that that thought. You get exactly what you want on the internet. And if I, if I am the counterweight that makes Brian look amazing and that's why you listen to the show and the idea of listening to me do a one mic show is horrifying to you because it would be the worst thing ever, then I'm very glad you found Night Attack. And I would suggest <laughs> you listen to Court Killers. <laughs> Very and that's nice. and like I, I don't want to come off as like deflective with that. I guess it's like for me, I, I understand that because I'm a very self-loathing person. So it's like I I I get the idea of not liking me. I would probably list the reasons why you shouldn't like me, right? <laughs> um but I can't say for a fact that I've ever had somebody come up to me and say something, you know. I mean, you see it in the chat every once in a while. You know, I've, uh, I'll see it in the frog pants chat, certainly, because I'm definitely a bit of a, bit a of bit of a more out of left field kind of presentation on, on frog pants. Uh, cause nobody else, I mean, I'm geez, I'm like, you know, Encino man, you know, like, uh, on, on, <laughs> on there, whereas night attack, it's like, it's a different thing. We're both kind of wild rambunctious. Right. Um, how, like if you were to explain your process for your at least your thought process for fan engagement and in, in interaction and uh growing an audience um where would you put your mindset on that where would you put uh how would you how what what, what thoughts do you go like or do you consciously think hey what can we do to increase our fan base or, or um, increase our listeners is that like something that you consciously do and, no and well, that- certainly it is conscious like you want to be conscious of the fact that in an interactive show you want people to feel make it feel alive but i don't know if i here's all right here's my oh my 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 underlying idea with all of it i think everything feeds off it you know in like middle school when or high school or uh, elementary school is kind of different because everybody's so young and and everything is just new right but in middle school is really where you first kind of get that double barreled dose of, uh, of, uh, social strata, right? That's where all of a sudden sitting at the right lunch table means something. Right. Right. Which is what my kids are going through right now. Yeah. So I've never been at a cool lunch table and (laughs) I resent the cool lunch table. So what I want is for everybody to come over to this. I want to make the uncool lunch table cooler than the cool table. Right. <laughs> okay. And I want to do that by having a lot of happy people. Cause I have the impression that most of the people at the cool table aren't happy. And the best <laughs> thing we can do is make a lot of people happy in a certain place. And so that's everything that I've ever learned about fan engagement. I learned from that, you know, your kids are learning everything I've ever needed to learn about fan engagement on the internet right now is like, A, if you are not a part of the cool table, if you're part of the cool table, invite more people. 
right? If you're not a part of the cool table, set up another table and invite more people. <laughs> like, because no matter what, life's better when the most popular table is the happiest one. Nice. That, that's, a, that's a very interesting interesting way of looking at it for, for an internet fandom. Well, internet. because it's lonely. I mean, the internet's the lonely people's economy. Now, that may change as everybody winds up getting on the internet and it just becomes another place that, uh, you know, uh, the, another place where people interact. But every technology is in, in, in some way shaped by the personalities and early predilections of the people that took, on, took it on first, right? Like, I'm sure there's at some point where the only people who owned horses that weren't were either businessmen or people who wanted to escape their past, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, like, you had, it was hard to do that. Right. Um, the internet was basically where we could just bottle loneliness because, by and large, we had a culture built on the idea that if you were not interacting with the people that were in your physical space on a level that made you fulfilled then something was wrong with you. It wasn't culture. It wasn't those people. Because also, and this is where I always get in trouble because I, I sound too hostile towards small towns, but like this is where the small town thing comes in. Because if you're somebody in New York City that can't connect with somebody, then that's a larger problem than if you're in a tiny town outside of Des Moines that can't connect with anybody. Because very often... The, the, the amount of people that once you suss out for age and, and cultural uh, uh, compatibility might be like a dozen people. <laughs> and let's just say that those dozen people were dicks. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, for every other element of human history, you were looking to either get the hell out of town or suck it up. Then the Internet rolled along, Right. And now all of a sudden, beyond just passive forms of entertainment like books and movies and TV shows, you had an opportunity to interact in real time with people who felt the same way about the cultural things you wanted to connect on and very often the same way emotionally. So whenever I talk to anybody on the Internet, I assume that they've been through a rough day where they felt like they've gotten the shit kicked out of them. You know, I, I assume that they feel ostracized from the people that are around them. I assume that that's the reason why they snap off and say terrible things is because they feel helpless. They feel uh, 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 lost. And so I would rather and listen, hashtag white privilege. I have the ability to do that because I, you know, have a different experience than women in my life do or, you know, gay people or trans people or uh you know, uh, black people, Puerto Rican, Mexican, and Asian, right? Like everyone's walking their own path. Uh, I don't feel comfortable talking about theirs, but I do feel comfortable talking about mine and saying it's unique. Right. But that's, that's really what it is for me is, is in terms of talking to people online, in terms of building, a, uh, you know, asking for more of their time than first, middle and after man, understand this is the lonely people economy and people are, uh, are 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 there to connect and they're there to feel safe and they're there to feel heard and they're there to feel enriched because so much of going through life is you know sucky <laughs> so, so eloquently put um i'm actually one of those kids that grew up in the small town of 300 people and when it comes out down to it my core group of friends 
I've got about four of them, and we're still friends to this day. Because well, yeah, then you're a lucky one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because luckily you were able to find those those four people. A lot of people in those towns, which is a lot, uh, you know, a huge element of America, don't or can't, or or either between not being willing to do it or not being on the emotional wavelength at that time to connect with people, uh, you know, or don't do it. And then all of a sudden, if it's not at a young age where you do that, then it's an issue. And now it's your fault. And there's all sorts of other things that kind of go into it. But beyond that, uh, you know, it's way easy for everybody in a, in a town to like hide a murder, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very suspicious of small towns. Like really what's the line between the town that you grew up in and, and the check, the Texas chainsaw massacre. Like what? not a whole lot, like a few murders probably. You just like you'd have one group of people that'd be really into it. You'd have another group that's like, "Hey, listen, they murder people, but mostly it's outsiders." And then there's gonna be a few people that are like, "Stop murdering people," and then they get murdered, and everybody shuts up. <laughs> that's about right. That's that's it's just pretty- the math, right? In a larger city. Somebody would say, like, no, let's call somebody from another city to come in and stop this murder. <laughs> they call him in, but it, everybody would be in on it, and they'd be like, whoa, we heard that there was murders here. It's like, well, no, no murders around here. I don't know what you're talking about. So, and then they leave, and they keep, you know, preying on, on, on passersby. So, so you end up with a small-town version of Clue when the cop shows up. Sure, or like <laughs> Hot Fuzz. Like, you know, it's everything's being done for the greater good. Oh, man. Um, so what kind of troubles have you had with fans? Because that's always one of the things that I wonder with people that have large fan bases. There's always the the outliers, the people that, that you know, want to be fans, but then they just either reach too far or they, they feel too comfortable or maybe they, they just... You know, I can't say that I've really had any kind of troubles. There's been times where people have had rough moments, right? And, and moments that aren't their best. And, and, you know, that gets expressed to me. Um, but I don't view that necessarily as a problem. At times it can be taxing, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I'm, I'm here for the, I'm here, if somebody want, loves the shit I do, awesome. If they want to connect further, awesome. If then they hit a rough patch, you know, where things aren't great, I hope I can be there for them. You know, but you know, I'm 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 no stranger to bad behavior, you know? And like <laughs> I've had plenty of adults in my life when I was growing up that exhibited things, you know, actions that they regretted. I've had people that I love dearly do things to that in my sphere, I felt to be untenable, right? And it took me a while to figure out that forgiveness was part of life. I know that nobody who I've considered, you know, a, a listener or or a fan of anything has ever done anything like that. So <laughs> it's all gravy train, you know. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, that's that's never anything that I'll that I'll worry about if if. If anything ever gets to a level where I feel, you know, scared or anything, then, uh, you know, I'll cross that bridge. But I, but I hope not to. I, I hope that my my dialogue with people is is enough to say, like, hey, man, I think you need to back off and get some help is, is, is enough there. But there's never anything close to that. So on the flip side of that, um, are there any times when you're interacting with uh, with your fans or with the community 
that you regret? Something that you've said or done or a situation you didn't handle correctly or? Oh man. Um, geez, do you know anything? Is there anything <laughs> I should be worried about? Like that I'm not mentioning? I, I'm, I'm just playing the odds when I ask the question that, you know, you've had a lot of fan interactions. There's gotta be something somewhere that was like, you know what? I'm sure the there next is. Day you were thinking, you know, I'm sure I said something pig headed or stupid or, uh, you know, uh, or across the line where I shouldn't have. I always assume that everybody kind of hates me. Um, you know, I figure it's safer that way. Part of the it's self, better to, self better to always be earning, constantly be earning people's, uh, people's respect. You know, that way you don't get complacent. <laughs> uh, I don't know though. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's somewhere I can't remember anything offhand where I was like, I really crossed. I felt embarrassed by, by my behavior around people. You know, I, I've, I've embarrassed myself on the show. Uh, I've, I've embarrassed myself getting drunk on stream and spouting off. Um, you know, I'm sure I've abused people's trust if they've told me something and then I've repeated it. So, you know, but, but nothing, nothing pops to mind specifically. With that in mind, since we're, we're talking about fans and in direct interaction, have you ever received a, like a, a demand from a fan that was just completely unreasonable. Like have, have you ever had a situation where a fan felt like they, they had some sort of control or, 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 you know, con- all right. Now, listen, I'm going to answer all these questions. I just want to let you know that this is not, I feel, I feel comfortable making this statement uh, because nobody has ever, I mean, I'll get all the answer to the question, but nothing has ever been anything specific, but you do know that, the most likely people to listen to this interview are, are are people that might think that I'm talking about them, right? If I say something bad, like to be like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get an email, like, oh my god, I'm sorry I did that. Like, so so just so you know, like these are hard questions that to to, to answer because I don't even want to dance near anything specific because I don't want anybody to think that it's them. Uh but probably the biggest thing that I think I would I would just offer as advice is, you know, we talked before about doing this, and I asked you how much time I should block off, right? Because you want to do something a little bit more long form. Be very cognizant of time. A lot of, I mean, the, the most frustrated I've felt with people that I've been honored to be brought on their show is when it's like I'm just on and then everybody's talking with each other forever and uh, that's it. You know, it's just like it, it takes an hour and a half and it, it goes nowhere, you know? Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing. Then I also always feel bad at cons and stuff like that when, uh, when um, you know, there's just not enough time to hang out with everybody. Dude. Somebody will text me and I won't see it. And it's like, hey, man, where you at? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I didn't see this until like eight <laughs> hours afterward. I'm sleeping. Well, it doesn't. It, it doesn't help that a lot of your uh, a lot of your con time and things like that are are uh, spent inebriated. So, yeah, no, I like to I like to get drunk and stay drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get we, we we take a little bit of a pivot, uh, one more question on, on this line of questions. Yeah, um, how do you find that you establish the fan friend divide? You know, because uh, you've you got a lot of fans that are that like to interact with you on a very personal level 
on a yeah. consistent basis. You know, how, how do you personally, just internally, decide? Okay, well, this is. I don't know if I do. I mean, I think that that uh, I'll connect as much as I can. You know, and and if you know, obviously that's going to be different from somebody that I've met through the show than it'll be from my brother, right? <laughs> well, um, one would hope, yeah. But that's not a reflection uh, on anything other than, you know, I just I just only got X amount of time and I want to connect as much as I can with everybody at every moment. Now, there might be a point where, you know, I'm I'm on a much larger platform and now I can't afford to spend the time to connect on the kind of level that I can otherwise. But... And I'm sure it's happened more, you know, like I have I have less time to spend talking to people and connecting to people now than I did than when, you know, BB Live Show first started. Right. <laughs> but uh, but, you know, I always hope to connect with people. I mean, that's part of the fun. So here, here's the aforementioned pivot. Let's talk about you and your fandom. We mentioned sure. a little bit of the show, but I know you're you're a big fan of wrestling. I love wrestling. <laughs> you're obviously, if anybody's listened to any of your shows, you're a big fan of, of pop culture and of music, um, especially off the wall lyrics that you just dropped. Yeah. Um, so what do you find that you fan out about? Like, what is your, your big, you know, when do you get the squeals? Oh man. You know, movies, uh, uh, TV. Um, I mean, wrestling, Wrestling's probably the thing that that is the most unique though. You know, wrestling is such a such a fun art form. It's just so cool. <laughs> and wrestlers are such unique people that like that is an element of uh of of my career that I would love to do more of. I would love to talk more to uh wrestlers and stuff like that just because and and people who create that art just because, uh, you know, that that to me is – it's a weird field, dude. It's a weird field to get involved in. And, like, I'm, I'm very interested in, in that and also that storytelling process. I guess I'm also what, – what, what probably scratches my itch the most is just storytelling. Like, I love structure. I love – something I've been obsessed about for the past probably 10 years has just been the idea of signal clarity. Because I would do these comedy routines in college and I would write these jokes that I thought were so funny, right? And some of them sucked balls, right? But some of them were <laughs> funny. Like I'll read them back now and I'm like, oh, I could deliver these in a funnier way. And I would get – and some jokes would hit, right? Mm-hmm. And what I learned slowly but surely, very slowly but surely, still learning, is what I needed to crack – the nut I needed to crack was not the comedy. The nut I needed to crack was the communication. And really, that to me is what storytelling is, is the communication of how do you get that idea to somebody. So let's say the man who lost everything and redeemed himself, right? That's every story ever, right? (laughs) Right. But how do you get that across? How do you feel for the man that he was? How do you understand what he lost? How do you conceptualize how, why he wanted to turn it all around and what does redemption look like? 
Mm-hmm. That is the art for which everything kind of comes from. Whether it's something as stupid as like, you know, uh, a joke that I wrote in college about how barbed wire tattoos were so played out that Thomas Jefferson had one. <laughs> right? Um, or it's Star Wars. You know, they will both benefit from clear, concise, confident messaging. What do you want people to understand? Are you sure that they understand it? How do you complicate it and change it? Like, now, there's great ways that you can complicate that, and that's really what art, what the art of it is. But to me, that's why I love wrestling. That's why I love movies. That's why I love TV. That's why I love books. That's why I love journalism. You know, journalism, newspaper writing, to me, is that great idea of, like, something happened down your block. And maybe you find it interesting, maybe you don't. But let me explain it to you. You know, the, the, the idea of journalistic news writing where you're writing in a, in a news story, good news stories, not feature stories, like, but like, you know, uh, a man gets run over stories, right? Right. You are writing your lead and your nut graph. And in those two paragraphs, you are encapsulating everything that is going to be in that story. Right. You are not going to be surprised by the boundaries of that story and a good, well-written story going forward. Now, you might be surprised by the details, but you won't be surprised by the boundaries. And I've always loved that. I've always thought that there was something perfect to that. And that's what I think I love the most about wrestling is that, like, the idea that you are telling this story through physical confrontation or everything that goes on around physical confrontation. Like those are your parameters. It's always going to involve somebody punching each other, right? It's always going to involve somebody involving their finishing move. Right. Like, (laughs) but how do you tell a million stories within that? How do the details surprise you? That's what I think I really, really love. That's what makes the people who do that well are the people that I, I, I squeal about. And, and do you have anyone in particular that, uh, I mean, cause you've got, you've got comedy, you've got journalism. Yeah. Um, you've, you've created games. Yeah. And you regularly tell stories, not just political stories, but personal stories. And yeah. you wrap all of that in, you know, you integrate different aspects of that in multiple things that you do. Who specifically are your idols when it comes to that? I mean, the idols in the talking stuff are all pretty much stand-up comedians. Um, uh, You know, first among equals is Dave Chappelle, Dennis Miller, and Dana Carvey, probably. Like, there are obviously elements that I shamelessly want to rip off. (laughs) Like, Dana Carvey's stand-up special, Critics' Choice, is just so great at seamlessly telling very personal kind of stories in a very packaged in, in the moment kind of way. The, and, and the idea that he's masking his vulnerability with this sort of bombastic impression laden, you know, kind of uh, uh, persona is just amazing. I mean, Dave Chappelle 
for the fact that not only was he just brilliant x-ray vision insightful into everything that's going on but also he wasn't afraid to take it into lunacy <laughs> right his special um killing them softly you know tells this story that his closing bit which you should listen to and not listen to me <laughs> is all about how he has a limo driver pick him up from a gig and drive him through a terrible part of town, right? Which in and of itself, again, it's like, here, what are we really saying in this story? We're saying, you know, that there's, he's made it. He's escaped this element of his culture, right? And yet on this night, he's being brought through kind of the worst of it. Mm. And he's seeing, and it, this is all hilarious stuff for him, right? Um, I mean, he's telling it hilariously, but this is the story is that he's seeing kind of the scars of not only his own childhood, but also the culture that that has embraced him, his own culture. And one of the things he sees is like the 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 prototype. This is the 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 monolith, like the 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 big statue in town square to show how screwed up things are. There's a baby on the corner at two o'clock in the morning. Infant, right? Now, the brilliance of Dave Chappelle is then he goes into this whole thing about, you know, the baby turns into this, this uh, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit, you know, kind of character <laughs> who's selling drugs. But that's, it gets into this painful kind of place, right? And then goes into this lunacy. And and that's, you know, it's what I loved about Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, actually, here, I take everything back. Mel Brooks is, is my, <laughs> is, is the one true Jehovah. Uh, but yeah, Dave Chappelle, I mean, certainly took so much from him. And then Dennis Miller, I mean, you, you talk about, I sound like Ron Jaworski. You want to talk about something? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, if uh, you mentioned that I drop random lyrics and stuff, like into, into you know, or or make weird metaphors. Like all I've ever wanted was to be Dennis Miller and have the confidence to drop the metaphor I want to drop and not give a shit if the majority of the audience gets it <laughs> because eventually you're going to appeal to 25% of the audience for a while. Right. But those 25 are going to be obsessive. And then eventually your audiences will get more than 25% because all those other 25% will eventually start showing up to the same shows. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you get to be Dennis Miller where 100% of the audience is just there to hope that they get most of the references <laughs> and then to look up who Dionysus is uh, when they get home. <laughs> I'm thinking back to all the Dennis Miller I've ever heard. As far but as yeah, instead instead of like you know Russian literature, I want to make jokes about Bismarcky <laughs> and you know Young Thug. <laughs> hey, you know you do you right? You do you. Look, these again, they're the jokes I want to make. They're the references I want to make. If I want to make a reference to to you know uh, Dennis Hassard, then I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a <laughs> reference to Dennis Hassard. If I want to make a reference to uh, you know the 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 death row Christmas album, then I'm going to make a joke about how Santa Claus is coming straight to the ghetto. <laughs> Have you ever met any of your idols? 
I interviewed Dave Chappelle twice, once in person, once on the phone. He was extraordinarily nice. Um, once was before he was filming the first season of Chappelle's show. And once was after Chappelle's show started, but before it really blew up in the second season. Mm. And he was very, 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 very nice. And there was a moment that I, I, I very much I liked and appreciated. I was doing the interview on the way in to see a movie. And I remember talking to him in the parking lot. And uh, he was obviously very tired. You know, he had done a bunch of stuff. But then at the end, I, uh, I had, you know, asked him for plugs. And it kind of, I got the sense from him that he felt like he wasn't funny enough in the interview. So he just started making, and it wasn't even like a hilarious stuff, but it was hilarious to me because it was Dave Chappelle saying, it was him in his like, I'm making a joke cadence saying like, I forget whether or not it was Chappelle's show or just his show that Sunday. But he was like, like Chappelle's show, you got to listen to it or they got to watch it. New York Times said that shit is incredible. Uh, <laughs> and I just remember like this being... So delighted that that he that he wanted to do that, and it it, it spoke to, you know, how much I, I think he held, holds himself, what kind of esteem he holds himself to as a as a performer, like that kind of everyday discipline. That it's like, no, if I'm talking to somebody, they're talking to me, so I'm funny. I got to be funny, even if it's one joke, right? Even if it's one thing, I got to cut them off a shard, a, a, a percentage <laughs> of of the thing, right? Uh, and also, like I. Yeah, I cherished it because it was one of my comedy idols uh, telling me a joke, right? You know, to the on the phone, it was just great. On the flip side of that, have have you ever been utterly disappointed by one of your idols? <sighs> I'm sure I was. Man, you want to know what? I'll tell you what. There is there is a traumatic moment that uh, I remember, and this might have disabused me of the notion that people who were famous were nice. <laughs> And I can't even remember the book, but it was when I lived in San Diego. So I had to be in either first or second grade. And they'd read a book to us in school. And I liked the book. And then the teacher told me that the person who wrote the book was going to be signing at a bookstore right down the hill from my house. So I was like, oh, my God, this lady's famous. I got to get an autograph. So I went into the bookstore. Nobody else was there. And I had a piece of paper. And I asked her to sign the piece of paper. And she said, you're not going to buy a book? And I'm like, no. I, I mean, I, I like the book. I read it today. <laughs> I just kind of like your thing. And she's like, oh. and she's like, I remember her looking to somebody else. Like whether or not she was like allowed to sign it or she should sign it. She signed it and then she said, well, I guess you can buy the book later and just slip this right in there. <laughs> Ouch. And I was like, well, I feel like a piece of shit. Like I feel terrible <laughs> that I didn't meet your standards, woman. Like, you know, and I, I just felt really, really bad about it. And I think that might have scarred me that I that you know I, I shouldn't have expectations for famous people <laughs> because they're they're never gonna be met you know like 
they're always going to be meaner than you think they are. <laughs> like, like how to end on a dire note there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, so, so I, I, maybe that has also informed the fact that I, I never want to leave anybody. I never want to leave anybody saying, Oh, I guess you can slide it in there. Like, you know, if anybody, you know, still, if anybody wants anything signed from me, then you can just email me. I'll sign something for you. If you want to, Anything, the contender, the stickers or whatever, like doesn't cost any extra to get me to sign something. I'll sign anything that anybody wants, you know, and, and that's part of that is because like I don't I don't want to be that like I don't want to be that bitch. Man, now I'm angry. You know, <laughs> fuck that lady. Jesus. She I was a kid. I, I might have to be in second grade. Heartless harpy. Oh, I'm sorry. One woman. The books are free. <laughs> Uh, why don't you just go ahead and peel me off one? <laughs> I don't know how I'd handle uh, something like that at that age. I, that'd be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was my origin story. Maybe that was the acid splashed in my eyes, and now I'm Daredevil. <laughs> I want to say it was about a turtle or a caterpillar, the book. I don't know. Maybe I'll try to figure it out. Oh, so you don't remember who it was then? Um, I thought you were just being coy and kind of avoid, avoiding saying the name, but maybe you don't actually remember. Maybe you, it was such a traumatic experience you actually put it behind you. No, I, I know it wasn't a famous book, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember it. And I know if I just start looking, I'll just get obsessed about it. Or, or I'll, I'll find it and I'll find what I think it is and I'll slander some poor person that did, never did anything to me. And there's no way to... There's no way to track down who was an asshole to me as a kid in, you know, Ranchos Penasquitos in 1990. Unless Chat Realm does it. Maybe this is a Diamond Club. This is what's amazing with the Diamond Club is I'll just drop all these details and somebody will find, like, you know, the, the schedule of somebody that was signing at that time that had a book about a frog or a caterpillar. My thanks to Justin Robert Young for being my guest on this first episode of Dismantled. To find more of his work, you can follow him on Twitter and Snapchat at Justin R. Young. You can check out his podcasts, Night Attack, Politics, 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 Weird Things, and the Justin Robert Young One Mic Podcast, all available on iTunes, Stitcher, and all those other places. If you'd like to comment on this episode or have a question for Justin to answer in a future episode, go to dismantled.reddit.com. I'm Anthony Lemos, and you can find me at the only social media platform I have time to use, Twitter, where my handle is at Ethan Kane. You can keep up to date on future episodes of this show by following us on Twitter, at Fully Dismantled, and discover more great shows at RitualMisery.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>